Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast, brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the Voices of Young People. Hi everybody, this is Josh Packard here, the Executive Director of Springtide Research Institute, and this is season three of the Voices of Young People podcast, and this is the final episode. If you've been listening to them in order, um, this is this is the last of them. Uh, I, throughout the season, you've been hearing from an incredibly diverse array of voices who are, uh, you know, both like sort of run the spectrum in many ways of, of the different ways that young people engage with religion. But we also have been seeing throughout these uh, episodes in this season, some real commonalities in terms of how serious and thoughtful young people are about their faith, how it intersects with their decision-making and um, their, even the way that they sort of think about what's, you know, what kind of life they're trying to construct between them and their peers and the adults in their lives. And, and this interview is a uh, interview, this episode rather, is a great way to sort of wrap all that up. Um, the, just like the previous episodes in this season, there is no interviewer. It's just the voices of young people and uh, unfiltered, sharing with you uh, about their own religious journeys and experiences. And in this one, Hamida is going to share why her current spiritual view has got on hold, as she says for now, but why she nonetheless still holds some values and practices from her Muslim upbringing. She describes how her father encouraged her questions and curiosities around religion and the ways even after he's passed away, that he continues to be a model of holding non-judgmental space for others' spiritual journeys. Plus, you get to hear Hamida introduce herself and say hello to y'all, which is, uh, I think, an added bonus. So I'm going to sit back and listen uh, to Hamida. Hi, y'all. My name is Hamida Belkhadid. I'm 23. I just graduated university. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and... I like riding my bike and fighting the power. How do I identify? I grew up pretty strict Muslim growing up. Um, like my father was a Muslim, my mom, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. So that was just my upbringing. Um, and now I'm, I don't practice as much anymore, but I still participate in Eid and other family gatherings. Um, not for the religious aspect of it, but for the family aspect, which is something I've always done. And it feels good to participate in that, even if I'm not a practicing Muslim anymore. When I think of God, I think when I was younger, I always saw God as like a big, scary thing. Because my mom would be like, if you don't pray five times a day, like God would be upset at you. And it just felt like a, yeah, like a, um, like a security camera in my life. I was like, can't mess up. It's always there. So I think I had a negative view of it when I was younger. If not negative, I want to say negative, that's another word, probably like fearful. Um, and now it just feels like, I think now that I'm more confused about what, what I believe in, it just feels like um, like a call I put on hold and I'll get back to later eventually, but not now. I can expand on that. When I say call on hold, it's like, you know when your friend calls you and then you're in the middle of something and you say, I'll call you back, but then you forget about it. And then you remember it again next week and then you forget about it. That's kind of what I am. I'm like, 
you know, I don't want to deal with this right now. <laughs> or like, I'm thinking about a lot of things. Um, cause my identity has changed so much over the years that it's like, I'll, I'll call back. I think I'll call back one day, but it's on hold. <laughs> Sorry, God, <laughs> you're on hold for now. Yeah. Okay. So growing up, uh, we went to mosque every Friday, which is the Muslim holy days, Fridays. So Fridays was just a, a routine. Like every Friday I knew at noon we were gonna all going to go pray and then come back and go about our days. Um, as we got older, we got like more freedom and, you know, things that I didn't have before, like job and school got in the way so I can be more flexible with what time I wanted to worship. And eventually, for my family at least, we were all like all working or going to school. So we didn't really, we only went to all go pray together during like major holidays, like I mentioned earlier, Eid. Um, like after Ramadan Eid or the later Eid, another Eid just passed recently. So, and then soon enough, like we just, I think, because everyone in my family, like we all just grew up and we all like 18 plus in my house now. So we're like, okay. And mom would like bring it up casually. So, but like when, when I was younger, it was very strict, like five times a day. Like I have to, like we either all play together or I have to like, mom would ask and I'm like, yes, I prayed or no, I didn't. And then I get in trouble. Um, and now, like, I haven't prayed, like, I don't think I've prayed in years at this point. I think it's been, like, what, two or three years that I haven't prayed. Um, and now it's funny because I never thought there was going to be a time where, like, that wasn't part of my routine. And now, like, the thought of praying is foreign to me again. Building off of what I said earlier about putting God on hold, one of the main reasons for that was when I was probably, so I attended this thing called Duxi and Duxi just means like school, like school of teaching. It doesn't have to be um, religious, but yeah. So I went to Duxi every, for me, it was every Saturday and Sunday because they kind of built it around the school system. You know, we were in school Monday through Friday and the only times we could have time for Duxi, like Islami teachings. So I basically went to school seven days a week. It was a lot. <laughs> and then I had to like, it was a lot. Um, outside of just being stressful, it was kind of a time for us to like completely focus on God and teaching. So we would teach. Um, so my experience is different. So there's like a girls and a guy side, which is another reason I really didn't was not okay with it because the men would have significantly more pressure to memorize because as a man, like you're the, you're like the the foundation of your family's faith. So you have to have a really strong faith. And for us, it was like, so here's how you be a wife. And I was like. Um, I don't like this. So my brother would tell me what he's learning. And I was like, I'm not learning that. And so that was one of the reasons I'm like, I feel like they weren't putting as much pressure on me as they were on my brother, my brothers when they were in Duxi. So I was like, okay. And some point, in some points I liked that because I was being lazy and I didn't want to be like memorizing like 14 chapters in a week. But there's times where I'm like, hey, I really wish like uh, you believed in us more. Definitely yes, some sexism going on by some, I mean a lot. Um, yeah, so Duxi was just like a, a way of life. We all woke up crack of dawn to go. And I remember I have to wear even more modest than usual. So I'd wear this like, like my abaya and then a jilbab, which is like a hijab that goes all the way to your knees. And basically, I, I called it my tent outfit because I literally looked like a tent because it's in a triangle. It was nice because I felt like I was wearing pajamas and I was like, all right, let's go. I didn't have to like try. So it was nice that like, if you're going to wake up at freaking five in the morning it might as well be in something comfortable yeah so attending doxy there's moments in it where 
it was really good and I felt like I was learning a lot and I learned you know just like teachings and values which I really appreciate that I still use to this day you know like be kind to the poor like make sure your budget always has room for people who have less than you even if you have less if you have a little bit to give that's something and not everyone has so like I really appreciate those teachings I'm talking too fast hold on <laughs> oh yeah okay water break all right <laughs> Yeah, so I, I appreciated a lot of the teachings, and I still do them now, even if it's subconscious. I'll still say, like, Bismillah before I eat. I still, like, um, you know, when I compliment someone, I still say, Mashallah. I still, like, don't throw away trash at night, because my teacher told me a story about jinns being in the trash at night, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> Everybody still laughs at me. I was like, I can't throw trash away. There's jinns. Jinns are, like, demon. Like, they're not evils, particularly. They're, like, spirits and stuff. So... There's some, like, silly things, and then there's, like, the more serious aspects of Duxi, which I didn't like, was definitely, like, all teachers were male, and some of them definitely took advantage of my peers. I remember one of them married my friend. I was 16. My friend, who was also 16, married my teacher, um, and he was easily in his 30s, going to 40s, like, definitely someone who should not be marrying a child, and that's when I was like, if this is the God, I don't want anything to do with him. Because everyone just, like, went about like it was normal. And I'm like, um, if she's my age and I'm her age, why is he even looking at us like that? And it would just, like, felt really unsafe and weird. And luckily around that time, mom took us out of Duxi. She didn't tell us why, but out of that particular Duxi, but I was grateful nonetheless. Which goes back to what I was saying about how girls and boys were treated very differently. And I felt like, again, we were, like, taught, we were being raised to... Like, here's how you serve your husband versus, like, here's how you serve the world as a person. Yeah, so that was the reason where I'm like, um... And that happened a few more times in Greeley while I was there. But it was enough times where I'm like, I just can't, like... And everyone was okay with it because it was a religious teacher or whatever. And I'm like, I don't think he's doing this in godliness. I think he's just a creep. And this is just not okay. And... Yeah, and then eventually my friend stopped going to school, and I just felt like her opportunities were taken away from her. And I knew her. Like, she was literally, like, my friend, which made it even weirder, because I'm like, this is my peer. Not that it's okay if it's someone I didn't know, but it just made it more personal. And yeah, so that's, like, when I stopped going to Luxie. younger I think I had a because I so for some context I was born and raised in India so for a long time I thought it was Hindu <laughs> it's weird but I was like all right no one explained religion to me so I'm just gonna do what my friends do and this is great so I remember going to temple with my friends and then going to the mosque with my parents and I had a very like big idea of like what God was I was like oh yeah this is really cool like we all could do our own thing obviously I didn't understand how badly Muslims are treated in India and like that whole politics of it all. Cause again, I was a child. I was just vibing really. And I think one of the most sacred moments I had. So when I was in India, um, so I spent from like age, you know, zero to eight there, my father, um, my abo in Somali, um, he was going to college to be an Iman. So he was going to school and like it's not called the Iman school, but I call it Iman school. So an Iman is a, like our priests and pastors in Islam. So he was going to school there and he, I always really liked his teachings and 
Um, it was funny because he was the least, the less strict parent on religion and he was the most educated on it. And I think that's very telling because he just didn't like force me to wear a job. He was very like, if you have like, he had all the books, he had the Torah, the Bible, the Quran, like all on the same shelf. And like, because at his school, they would have like, he would say like, you know, you can't, like if you're going to love something, you have to be able to criticize it. And that always stuck with me. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. And, and, but then like that teaching was I think what gave me the mindset I have now because when I like, um, like I, when I went to Duxi, it was the opposite. It was like, don't ask any questions. If you had questions, if you have any sort of doubt, like it's obviously the devil within you. And like, and I think like doubt is such a natural human thing to have. Like kids ask questions. Like why, why do I have to do this? Like, why is that a thing? Um, and I remember like growing up, like I would just ask him questions and we just like drink tea, like chai together and eat biscuits. And I would just be like, oh, why is that a thing? Like, how, how does the sun work? And he would just never, he would never just be like God for everything. He'd be like, you try to explain it to me and explain like how God's head into science and how we like live our worlds. So I think um, definitely the times I had with my father as a child to ask those questions was really sacred for me because it was just, I think like, I don't say it's the right way to talk to a child, but I think it's good to um, it's good to invite curiosity instead of like crush it there and make religion a thing where like if you question anything, you're like a bad Muslim Christian, blah, blah. So I think that, yeah, the ability to question things for sure. How do I practice spirituality? Like I said, God's on hold for now. We'll talk to him later. But... I think there's some things, like I mentioned earlier, like I always say like bismillah before I eat because it's like something, it was just like something I grew up doing and now I still do it. And I'm scared of what's going to happen when I don't do it, <laughs> doing it for so long. It's just a part of my practice. So just being thankful for food, especially coming from like seeing people who have don't, who don't have food and also like times in my life where I, did, I was not blessed with food. So that's always been like, all right, this is the thing I'm going to do. Um, I think also like there's still, like I said earlier, the teachings that I learned in Duxi from my, my from my father primarily, um, and a little some from my mother too, like just treating people well and um, yeah, like being a good experience for people and trying to help anywhere you can, like if something that you think you're sparse in could be a blessing to somebody else. So I think that's like. That's my perspective on things. I try to always give when I have extra money. Um, I remember it was like, it's funny because one time we were coming from Duxi and Greeley and we were walking and um, there's like a homeless man and like we were all walking and like, you know, how, and you know, I feel like, especially as a woman, I, I tend to ignore homeless men because I'm just like, okay, I'm scared. <laughs> like, I'm just going to walk. It's like men in general in public are scary statistically and just an inexperience and I remember like, just, like ignoring him mom being like handing me like a wad of money and being like go give it to him and I'm like oh I'm scared and she's like just go do it and like he had the biggest smile on his face and she like made me run like two blocks back of like as she was digging in her purse as we were walking so she could find something to give him and like things like that because my mom like without hesitation will give anyone anything they need even if she's low in it she's like well like three dollars to me isn't much but this can have like this can be someone's lunch today like like and not questioning people's intentions with that money just being like here I'm giving it to you and now it's yours like go do whatever you need to do with it and I feel like when you're giving um having that like when, when I give someone something I don't expect them to return it to me or like 
now you owe me or next time like I expect this back or whatever it's always like hey this is yours now and like I'm not gonna hold it over you it's just a gift I'm giving to you and having everything you give someone be a gift like here you go here you go have this thing like no big deal and not having such like deep attachment to things and then it taught me to have like deep attachment because like then as a kid I used to like give away my toys and stuff because I'm like you know I had my fun now you can have your fun and not having like tethering all our I think material things are so important these days like tethering all of like oh my god and my life is going to be the same if I don't have this one thing like nothing's really going to change like this is going to stop my day-to-day routine having that I'm probably going to forget I even gave it to this person eventually and that's what's happened so far every single time I've given someone something I realized I didn't really actually need it the influence overall that Islam had on my life again it was just something that was just part of my life. I don't know if you've heard this saying, um, Deen yo dafan. So Deen is religion and dafan is culture. And Somalia and Somalis in general, our Deen and dafan are, our religion and culture are so strongly tied that it's like, I can't tell the difference sometimes of something I'm doing that I'm like, is this Islam or is this just Somali things? I don't know. And there's times now where I'll be doing something and, and I'll remember that this is not like, so many like Somali things are Muslim things now, and so people have differing opinions on that. But similar to the Dino Dakhan, my life was the same way. Like it was just like it was just how we lived and how my grandparents lived and how um, people after me will live. It's just I have never met a Somali who wasn't Muslim. Very rare. I, I've never met one actually. Um, and yeah, I think it was just such an all-encompassing part of my life. I. There's times where I wish I could separate my my um, culture from my religion because of the problematic things with it and because sometimes people, the argument with that is like know the difference between the Dachan, um, religion and culture because people mash things together for their own benefit when that's just like, oh, that's just a Somali thing. Like, don't try to make this Islam because the book doesn't say that. The Quran doesn't say that. You just made that up. And that's uh, one of the... Something we argue a lot in that community about because people will mash that together. And there's like um, Malin's teachers in Duxi who would teach like that, who would be like, here's something we do. And I'll be like, that's not Muslim, that's not Islam, but okay. <laughs> that's something. Like one, one of the, one thing is um, Somalis will put hijabs on kids like when they're like babies and that's not Islam. Like you're supposed to be like, okay, like, you know, you get your period, you become of age, and then you choose to do it. I've literally seen babies with hijabs on, but that's something that, like, Somalis do. Like, you'll notice some other Muslims will not do that for their babies, and they'll just be like, cool. And my dad, like, he was really big on, like, that fighting that, being like, hey, y'all, just because it's something we've been doing for X amount of years doesn't mean this is something that the Quran says, this is how you should do it. It's just something that's become, like, culture is... Um, learn behavior it is not this ancient text don't get it mess don't get it mixed up what people do and yeah that's just been my overall experience it's kind of like like those two things pulling me of like my love for my culture my critique of my religion my critique of my culture and religion and that's just how life has been to this day I can think of a lot of folks who have 
kind of guided me in my spiritual journey. I don't think they know they're my mentors, but one of them is my best friend, Amanda, because I've always really liked her view of God. And there's been times I've attended um, church with her several times. And um, she's in similar ways to me. She can critique her religion as well and be like, wow, I really don't like this and this. But I always really liked her like solidness, like her how she explained how she talked about God and how she talks about God in regular conversation. It doesn't make me uncomfortable or anything. I was like, that's nice. That's really cool. Um, I don't think she knows she's a mentor in that, but I really always really liked how she talks about religion. Um, and one, obviously, is my dad because rest in peace, or as we would say, Allah Naharisu, like may God have mercy on him, um, is like my father because he grew up, like that was like his mission in life. He became an iman, you know, he um, prayed religiously. Um, he taught me, you know, he taught me how to pray when I was a kid. He's like, all right, let's go. And is like this, one of my first lessons in God was for my father. So he's definitely a mentor. And he's one of the people where I feel like, funny enough, he's like the only person I think that isn't judging me. Just <laughs> like funny because I'm like, he's dead. But I know like, his belief and his um his belief and his how he practiced and how he like I don't know walked with God in his unfortunately short life but I always really admired it and I think the best faith leaders are the ones who give off that like non-judgmental like no matter what place you are in life I love you anyway and yeah now I'm crying <laughs> I got funny yeah Oh my gosh, that means issues. I know. Of course. But um yeah. And it's funny how the one person I I think isn't judging me in my spiritual journey right now is has passed away. I think that's really telling of the current state of religion in my life. Shout out. Bravo. Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and to download the State of Religion and Young People 2020 report, which is free thanks to a very generous donation. Today's show was produced by Marta Abuaji and TJ Birnbaum with original music by high school student Christian Unthank. Special thanks to our guest today and to all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Remember to find us on social media at We Are Springtide and share your own stories with the hashtag showupforyoungpeople. Thanks for listening.